This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. In the early 1900s, something happened to our bread. Nature did not change the grain. We changed what we did with it. So much, in fact, that it gave dogs neurological problems. How can we reclaim the goodness of the bread of the Bible? By special request from Michael Rood, Sue Becker joins us tonight to reveal the secret to reversing the trend, an important lesson that could save your life. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live! Shabbat Shalom, Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. More about Michael in just a second. I hope you enjoyed last week's first episode of Against the Grain with Sue Becker. Uh, Michael requested that we have Sue here on Shabbat Night Live because uh, he watches her videos on YouTube all the time. Uh, he's a big fan, and I think uh, if this is your first time seeing her, you will be a big fan too. So before we get to the action, let's take a look at the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. We are into a new month, as you can see on the screen there. It's now the fourth month, and you can see this month's calendar page at arudawakening.tv slash calendar page. And speaking of the calendar, let's welcome my co-host David Robinson and the one and only Michael Rood. Welcome, sir. Thank you. It's good to be here. It is very good very to have good you up here. here. This yes. is awesome. I know you came up on the stage and you wanted to talk about the calendar. What say you, sir? Yes. Uh, I was very pleased to get this calendar at, at Chavot this year, and uh, and I called Naomi Gordon, and so we talked about this. Yeah. And it was uh, 20 years ago that I invited him to come to my my house in Jerusalem, and I, I read this verse to him. And it says, the, uh, Matthew 23, Then spake Jesus to his multitude and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatsoever they uh, they bid you, which is command, mm -hmm. whatever they command you to do and observe, that do and observe. I told them, there's no way on God's green earth that Yeshua ever said that. And he <laughs> said, what do, what do you mean? And so I took the next three hours and I showed him all the miracles he did, and the issue was constantly violating the rules of the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. and, and he would not go back on everything he did and said, right by this verse. So Nehemiah said, I see what you mean. I, that's an, uh, my problem, it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, I will, I will uh, it's a contradiction apparent contradiction in an ancient text. And so he, from that, he, he found 28 of the Hebrew Gospels of Matthew. Yep. That's what started him on wow. the track. Wow. And that was 20 years ago. You met him on Shavuot. I remember that. This, is, this year is the 20th anniversary And that was that. in Israel, right? Yeah. Israel. Yes, I was in Israel. 
Wow. And, and he, how was it now? He introduced you to uh, Keith Johnson, or how did that go? I introduced Keith to him. To him, okay. That's wow. how that went. Yeah, because yeah. Keith mentioned that too, that he remembers that being the 20th anniversary of all, the three of you meeting. Yeah. yeah. That was it. Wow. Excellent. And so what it turns out is that this was in the Hebrew Gospel of Matthew, and it says... There is a Yamu Yomar controversy where it says in the text, whatever he says do, but don't follow the talking out of the Pharisees. Wow. That that was a game changer yes. for the whole thing right there. Right. And so when Yeshua said, Do what do what Moses said to do, and Moses tells us very plainly, he says Guard the month of the Aviv. Right. And, and, so, uh, and so I produce the calendar each year uh, to give people an opportunity to do what Yeshua said, is to obey Moses, not the Pharisees. Right. That's why it's so important. I do this not for people. I do this because of what you choose said to do. Absolutely, Amen. yeah, and even on the calendar this year, so yeah, we do the calendar, and even in here is more to that effect. It's from your We Believe, uh, you did the Apostles', Apostles Creed, mm -hmm. and you filled in the blanks, the New Apostles' Creed. Yeah, it's the New Apostles' Creed. <laughs> and this happened because people were coming to my house, and I was teaching on the miracles of Yeshua. And he... He deliberately violated the rules of the Pharisees. And with every miracle, he's in direct contradiction. Mm -hmm. mm. And so I taught everybody uh, what he did, and I taught them a rabbinic law to know why he was violating the rule of the Pharisees. He was tearing down fences. He was. Mm -hmm. He was constantly doing that. Mm -hmm. And so if we're going to be like him... Well, that means we're going to do the same thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we need to tear down some fences. Absolutely. And, and you know, to further to that point, uh, we have the Chronological Gospel Season 3. Uh, and Michael, you, you spent a lot of time doing oh, this. Oh, that's beautiful, yeah. Yeah, the, the, uh, it was the sign of Jonah. Now it's, it's the gospel of the kingdom is how it all comes together. And how it all comes together, as you pointed out, was... Uh, Yeshua will spend three days and three nights in the belly of the fish just as uh, Jonah. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole crux of the matter of understanding the gospel. Yes, it is, really. And uh, we, we, we have to learn what he did and how he said to do it. And if we follow him, we will, the, the gospel will come alive. Right. So we have a special treat for everyone. Uh, we have just finished the introduction that you'll see at the beginning of every one of the episodes that is now being worked on in our editing studios. They're not done yet. There's a lot of heavy animation. That stuff takes a long time, it so does. bear with us. But we have the, the introduction ready, and we wanted to show it to you tonight. And Michael, I think this is maybe the first time you've seen it too. So let's take a look.
All right, there you have it. The Chronological Gospel, Season 3, The Introduction. I know uh, it, it's a wonderful thing, Michael, uh, that you have done, and uh, we just tried to put our little edge on it for you, and I hope, I hope you enjoyed that. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you. Well, certainly, and um, uh, Andrew is, is the master animator behind that, so Andrew is, is the man. He did a wonderful job. He did. So we were going to tell you about this month's love gift, but uh, we've run out of time, so we'll let the commercial do the talking. Yes, How about that? All right. Do it. <laughs> All right, well, in the early 1900s, something happened to our bread. Nature didn't change the grain, we did what we changed what we did with it. So so much in fact that we gave it to dogs, and guess what? Neurological problems happen. So, how can we reclaim the goodness of the bread of the Bible? By special request from Michael Rood, Against the Grain with Sue Becker is next. Stay with us. John 3:16 is arguably the most famous verse in the Bible. But are we misinterpreting it? Joe Kovacs presents a thought-provoking teaching that re-examines what the verse really means, how we should understand it, and why a proper interpretation of it is vital to understanding Yehovah's view of the world and the sacrifice of His Son. He can't be telling us, don't love the world and the things of the world, and also saying that, well, God loves the world so much. They're just completely contradictory. And the key to understanding this verse is the very simple short word, so. Revisiting John 3.16 with Joe Kovacs will challenge your assumptions about the true message of Yehovah's Word. And it's our gift to you for supporting A Rude Awakening International. Donate a $50 love gift and we'll send you Revisiting John 3.16 with Joe Kovacs on DVD or Blu-ray. Or donate $100 and we'll send you Revisiting John 3.16 plus a beautiful silver-plated pendant necklace featuring the Shema in Hebrew letters. Or donate $300 and we'll send you the teaching, the silver-plated Shema necklace, plus this dazzling Shabbat tablecloth and matching holobread cover inlaid with artwork from the menorah, the Kiddush cup, and the words Shabbat Shalom in Hebrew. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Root to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. These special gift collections are available only in July, and supplies are limited. So make your donation today and receive these exclusive thank you gifts from Michael Rood. Call 888-766-3610. That's 888-766-3610. Or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. When Yeshua fed the 5,000 with leaven barley loaves in the Galilee, the Pharisees came down on him because they accused him that he and his disciples did not wash their hands before they ate bread. They did not wash their hands with a negle vesser and say this prayer, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us by your commandments, commanding us concerning the washing of hands. Why didn't Yeshua do that? Why didn't his disciples follow that? Because it is takanot. It is a law which they invented, and Moses said no one is ever allowed to add to or subtract from. But the night of the Last Supper, Yeshua took bread and he put in place a rehearsal that was really put in place by the Kohen Gadol, the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek himself brought forth bread and wine 
to Abraham. And Yeshua interpreted that very thing. Barukata Yelva Elahino Melakalam Hamotsi Lechem Miharetz. This is what Yeshua put in place, that before we eat bread, that we say this prayer. And as often as we do this, we do it in remembrance of him because his broken body was broken for us and by his stripes we were healed. So as often as we do this, as often we do it in remembrance of him. And Yeshua took the cup and he said, Barukata Yehovah Elohim Malachalam, Barei Pri Hagafen, the creator of the fruit of the vine, Yehovah created the fruit of the vine. He said, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood. As often as you do this, do this, remember me, and remember, I will be drinking this with you at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Shabbat Shalom. You may remember earlier this year, we had a series called Revelation Preparation, and we had folks talking about how to prep, how to get ready for when the brimstone hits the fan, as Michael Rood would say. People who know how to hunt, people who know how to store food, and this type of thing. And you might think, okay, well, there's one piece of uh, advice from a fellow there, and he said, well, I have uh, Twinkies and things like this, and and, uh, shortbread cookies, I believe is what he was suggesting, because they never go bad. So let's talk about that with Sue Beck, of the Breadbeckers. Welcome back to Shabbat Night Live. Oh, so nice to be here. Thank you for having me again. You know, not all foods, okay, yeah, may store, you know, you and I are, are very wise to the prepper thing. I think most of our folks walking, yeah. watching this are too. We know what's going on in the world. Yeah. We got our eyes open. We know we got to do something. Yes. But that doing something doesn't mean storing shortbread cookies <laughs> or now, or, or a, a, bre- a loaf of bread that you have stored. Right, exactly. Uh, for example purposes. So, so let's start there. What so, like we said, grains are storable. Yep. They're perfect storable Grains food. are storable. Grains, whole grains, whole grains intact. Whole and intact. Grains and beans. Mm-hmm. They're seeds. Remember, God gave us two kinds of foods. Now, there's ways to store fruits and vegetables, dehydration, canning, freezing, and that kind of thing. But grains are storable, and they will store forever. Uh, most of them. Rice and brown rice and oats do not, which really? brown rice. Why not? That's curious. Okay, brown rice and oats. Um, like I said, with the kernel of grain, most grains, the anatomy is the bran. The mm-hmm. germ down in the inside is where the oils are. Mm-hmm. The endosperm or white flour is protein and starch. But in oats, the oils are in every layer. They're in the bran, they're in the germ, they're in the the white flour part, which is why they really don't do anything to oats because there's nothing they can do that will make them last forever. Brown mm. rice, the oils are in the bran. Ah. Which is why they started polishing the bran off to give us white rice. A lot of people think white rice is a whole grain. It is not. It's had the bran polished off. So white rice won't spoil, but it is no different than white flour. It's protein and starch. In fact, Hmm. how they finally discovered that beriberi was a vitamin deficiency problem was when white rice hit the Asian countries they started experiencing beriberi because they lost Mm. their source, their primary food source of the vitamin B1 from the missing bran on the rice. So to store rice and oats, that's a little different. 
Uh, you really want to probably do more smaller packages. It's about a year um, shelf life on those, but most all of your other grains will store. Mm. Um, like I said, keep it free from moisture, bugs, and rodents. But now so. you have a, a a loaf of bread that yep. you store as an example. Yep. What's happened there? No, that's an interesting story. So for I do a healthy eating simplified class, and um, you know, and I try to bring in foods that most Americans are consuming. So I purchased this 100% whole grain loaf of bread, right? So it's been now, this loaf has been sitting on my shelf for two years, 100% whole grain. It has not spoiled yet. It has not molded. I had to mm. buy another one as a visual aid. I've been teaching this class for quite a while because my first loaf that I bought as a visual aid sat there for about four years just in a box on a shelf where I pull out when I teach this class of my other goodies, Hostess Twinkies and things like that. So to show, yeah, that they still look the exact same later, but there's no nutrients there. But anyway, this loaf of bread did not look the same. As I was going to that shelf for other things, I started noticing this brown like dust. It looked like very, very fine sawdust is actually mm. what it looked like. And I was like, where is this coming from? open the box, that loaf of bread, that 100% whole grain bread was disintegrating. It did not mold. Nothing ever ate it. <laughs> so this is not a natural no. degeneration process no, either. No, my bread molds. <laughs> Your yeah. bread should mold. It's supposed to mold. It's yes. supposed to mold. It's supposed to rot and decay. Now, once, you know, we talked about in our, in the last session, you know, that whole and intact, the grains are storable. Once the flour is milled, the nutrients begin to oxidize very rapidly. So you're better to mill your flour, bake your bread. Once the bread is baked, the nutritional loss is minimal. So, mm. but it's going to mold, it's going to spoil because of, of the moisture and, and exposure mm -hmm. to the air. But nutritional loss is minimal. But here's the thing about prepping and storing. We are, of course, avid believers. God gave us that vision in the very beginning. But what I get so concerned about is seeing people store things like Twinkies and, you know, stuff, whatever. No, they won't spoil, but they won't support your life. Mm. Yeah, they may be just soft and gooey and delicious. They aren't delicious <laughs> to me. I can taste the chemicals. I can smell the chemicals when I walk down the bread aisle. Really? You start doing this and getting your body free from so many of the chemicals and preservatives and things, you can smell it. Because what a lot of people don't realize, I'm digressing from our prepper question, I'm sorry. My <laughs> mind's just going 90 That's okay, minutes. go with it. <laughs> but you know, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that, so, you know, we ended on where they separate the bran and germ mm -hmm. and then the government stepped in and made them enrich the flour with three B vitamins and iron. Supposedly, it took care of beriberi and pellagra and anemia. But I always have to ask the question, yeah, but how many nervous disorders do we have in this country today? How many skin issues do we have? How many GI disturbances? How much mental insanity, anemia, weakness, tiredness? These, these are all significant mm. problems. And I don't think that that enrichment mm. took care of the problem. It took 50 years. wasn't until 1998 that they 
went to the miller, said, you got to put another vitamin back in, folic acid. And that was after 50 years of watching the rising incident of birth defects. Mm. And they made them put it back in the bread, you know, in the grain, because that's where it was lost from. You know, as a food scientist, like I said, when I read, you know, enriched vitamin A and D enriched milk or vitamin A and C, uh, calcium enriched orange juice, I was like, wow, they're doing us a favor. No, it was lost in the processing and there's a problem. So you got to put it back in. And even then it's not perfect because you and I know that folic acid, okay, that's fine. But what's in the grain is folate. Yes, exactly. different. Yeah. So, and then not to mention the fact that they expose the flour, even whole grain flour to nitrogen trichloride. Mm. That's to bleach the flour because the oils, the residual oils, they yellow the flour. No one wants yellow specks in their white flour, right? That mm. wouldn't look right. So they expose it to nitrogen trichloride. was used for more than um, 25 years. Studies done on nitrogen chloride, they found that it caused um, the running fits. They, uh, yeah, a British study done, I read, said that they fed the dogs, a group, a group of dogs, white flour, I guess, dog food, for two weeks two weeks, and it said the dogs had the running fit so severe that some of them died. They found that this nitrogen trichloride was actually causing hysteria and Mm. seizures. They eventually did take it off the market, but a chlorine, do you hear what I said? Derivative is still being used to bleach your flower, mm-hmm. just like you bleach your white clothes. But I wouldn't ever be tempted to chug a lug any right. of that bleach. But it's being put in our food. Benzoyl peroxide is something else, you know, as a dough enhancer that that has. Well, the chloride. I mean, so folks should know. Okay, that sounds like what you put in, like you said, in your clothes. Yeah, yeah. You put it in a swimming pool. Why? Because yeah. chloride robs oxygen. Yes. We're yeah. robbing the life force from the food. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And. And all of that is not on the label, you know, because it's considered a necessary process for food preservation, mm-hmm. you know, for the preserving, for the shelf life purposes. Benzoyl peroxide destroys B vitamins, destroys vitamin E, it has respiratory problems. Potassium bromate that's used to strengthen the gluten uh. structure causes liver and thyroid issues. So is that where we see uh, the bromin- brominated? Yeah, when it... We- yeah. yeah, some flat. So, because of the health issues, a big selling point was unbromated flour, which Man. it's still white. It's still, it's still so nutritionally devoid of all the fiber, all the minerals, all the nutrients mm. that God gave us in that nearly perfect food. Hey, Jesus compared himself to bread. You know, people always ask me, well, how much bread should I eat? And I say, how much Jesus do you need? That's how much bread you need. So, (laughs) but so getting back to our food preparation, grains are storable. Honey is storable. Don't you see the foods God has given us? It's another food that they find in Egyptian tombs. It's still fine as they went. And it's full of, we think of it as just sugar. It's not. It's full of vitamins, minerals, enzymes. I mean, it is so. The propolis. I mean, that people take that as a a supplement. They throw it in their smoothies. So. What breaks my heart is when I see people storing the food, thinking they're preparing. No, you need to be using it. Mm. Use it now. That is a form of preparedness because just like I said, we were eating fairly healthy. When we changed the bread and put the bread, the real bread, I call it real bread, Mm -hmm. with what we were already eating, the health of our family changed dynamically. You know, I had more energy. 
who knows? We might have to walk more. We might have to, we might not be able to get a hold of the medicines that, that we were, you know, used to taking. And like I said, I'm not saying that throw all your medicine away and the bread, you know, cause the bread will cure every disease. Only Jesus can do that. But God has given us foods to nourish our bodies. He wrote the owner's mm-hmm. manual what, of the bodies he created. <laughs> he knows what they need, and he's given us foods to do that. So um, we need to be getting as unencumbered mm-hmm. with the food system, the medical system, as we can. And, and that's, a, that's a form of preparing. And learn now. Like we saw in the Bible, and we have lots of Bible verses we can go to on yeah. this as well, but we think about back even to the Israelites' day. Yeah. Who were the doctors? The doctors were the, were priests. the priests. Yes. They, they had double duty there. So yeah. and, and all the... And the, the you know, the folks who just were doing other jobs, they also grew their own yeah. food. They were an yes. agrarian. Um, they were, yes. Uh, their feasts are around the barley harvest, yes. around the wheat harvest, and then the final bringing it all in. So the, we need yeah. to learn all that yes. now, to your point. We need yeah. to, because who knows how to make bread? I mean, a lot of folks, me personally, I mean, my wife might remember how to make bread. I don't remember how to make yeah. bread. We need to remember how to do these things, can the foods, yes. all these kind of things. Because, Dehydration. Yeah. Right, because this, show that we're doing may not last forever. I right. mean, if, if I communication between us believers is what's threatening agendas beyond and above us, yeah. that's going to be cut off. Yes, We need to learn now what to do and how yes. to do it. And community is so important. Mm-hmm. Right, because one person knows how to bake the bread. Another one knows how to can. Another one knows yeah. how to shoot a deer and clean it and all these types exactly. of things. Exactly, exactly. So, and raise chickens and yeah. such. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So it is, it's just so important to to begin preparing today, you know, begin exercising, not for body beautiful, but so we have stamina, mm-hmm. begin eating right so our body is as healthy as we can possibly make it, and, um, and begin thinking about what if our food supply is cut off. I personally believe that, and I know, I think my husband, there may be a day when grains are the only reliable food that we have. If you don't have a access to a garden or people that do, you know, where you can get fresh fruits and vegetables. Think about it. Grains are storable. They do not have to be picked early to ripen. They do not have to be radiated to store. They just harvest them, keep them dry, and they store. Store them in a container where they're kept Mm. dry. But this is something I think is fascinating that I've only in the last few years really thought about is, you know, um, grains are the perfect storable food. People say, but what if we don't have a way to bake bread? Boil it, knead it. Boil it. You have a fire, a pot of water. That's what the manna said, Mm -hmm. boil it or grind it and make a cake out of it. You know, and people forget that you can boil this and eat it. Even when when Yeshua and his disciples went through the the field, they just picked it up and ate it. Yeah, yes. Yes, and I just uh, said, just reading Joshua, when they came up out of the Jordan, which was yesterday, um, I don't know if you know the, yeah, notice that. And then they circumcised, you know, the, the young men and, and then they ate the manna and it said they ate the manna and roasted grain and then they celebrated Passover and the manna mm. was gone. So I thought that was interesting. But to finish on the, on the grains, this is something, um, grains can be sprouted. So there's, there's four nutrients that are slightly deficient in wheat, vitamin A, so eat your fruits and vegetables, mm-hmm. vitamin C, eat your fruits and vegetables, vitamin D, get in the sunshine without sunscreen. God 
miraculously has made our bodies where we can produce vitamin D from getting into sun about 15 minutes mm-hmm. a day. It's the only vitamin that our body can make from sunshine. Then lysine is an amino acid that's slightly deficient in wheat and, and most grains. There's some that have a little bit more. It's And I say slightly because for adults, it's not deficient. For growing children, they need a little bit more. But what's so cool about grains and beans, which are seeds, beans have lysine. Mm. Beans are an abundant source of lysine. Now, beans are low in methionine, an amino acid, but grains have methionine. Perfect combination of grains and beans uh, make a complete protein. So we can get proteins. Mm. Don't have to be a super meat eater. And I am a meat eater. I'm not advocating necessarily a vegetarian or vegan diet or anything like that. I don't believe any food group God's given us should be eliminated. Right. And that's that's a problem. But anyway, here's the cool thing though about, so vitamin A and C are missing in grains and beans a little bit. You can sprout them. Yeah. So grains are storable. You can sprout them right on your kitchen counter in a mason jar or a little, little sprouter with no mm-hmm. soil, just water. And, and how would you do that? If someone says, you know, that's a good idea, but yeah. I've never done that. How do you do it? Well, you, I mean, there's little, there's little sprouting sacks you can buy. You just mm-hmm. rent, you know, put the seeds of beans in there and wet it and rinse it every day. And within usually four or five days, you have sprouts, bean sprouts. We sell a little um, electric sprouter that waters it itself because mm-hmm. the, the thing is to keep it moist. That's what causes grains to rot or die, mm-hmm. you know, but they bring forth life. So you can do that. We have another one that's just a little plastic tray that actually stacks up and you just mm-hmm. sprinkle the seeds in, rinse them every day and just keep them wet, not soaked, not like, you know, covered with water, but just wet, water them every day and they will sprout. Mm. And then when they get up, you know, about this tall, that's the grass, you can just cut it and and eat it. And what's so amazing, now you're talking vegetable. Mm-hmm. Very high in vitamin A, very high in vitamin C. It's supposed to be like 10 times some of the nutrients that are in the seed. So I actually learned this um, reading about wartime food. And I think we talked about it earlier because some grain naysayers say, oh, you know, they, they ban white bread. And even during wartime, the health of the people got improved drastically. That is not true. They, um, or they say they ban bread. I'm sorry. They ban white bread. Mm. They made the millers stop taking the bran and germ out. Because Good idea. You, you lose about 25% of your, yeah. of your food. You know, 100 pounds of wheat will give you 75 pounds of white flour, 25 mm. pounds of bran and germ. So they were like, we can't afford to lose that. You know, our wheat supplies, our grain supplies are cut off. We can't afford to lose that. So you millers, y'all can no longer separate the bran and germ. You got to mm. use it all. And it forced people to mill their own grain again. This was in Denmark in World War One, and even in Britain in World War II. The health of the people improved so much. Even the death rate dropped by 34%. Wow. Heart disease improved, blood pressure, diabetes greatly improved during wartime. So, How about that? <laughs> but I learned that when their supplies were cut off and even um, sailors on long voyages, you've heard of scurvy, you know, mm-hmm. from a vitamin C deficiency. Well, on long voyages and, and like in wartime when f- supplies of fruits and vegetables are cut off, you've got your grains. They had grains. They are storable. They will last even on a long voyage or whatever. They sprouted them. And that was their source of vitamin C to prevent mm. scurvy. Wartime. 
long voyages. Makes sense. Long times of who knows when we can have fruits and vegetables again. So the perfect storable food Jesus compared himself to. You know, a lot of people say, well, I've the, when the grass or the, when, the, when the wheat germinates and it sprouts, we have the grass. Is that wheatgrass? Yes, it is. Yes, it That's is. That's what people cut off and they and put in a juicer and yes. they juice. And why? Because a lot of people don't understand that that grass is what holds all the nutrients before a head of grain forms. Yes. That's the incubator for that pe that grain exactly. to even come about. Exactly. It's, uh, all that food is ready to go, so cut it off yep. and eat it. And it's all stored. It's all there in that seed being stored, ready to be broken down by enzymes that take mm. those complex carbohydrates and now it becomes simple. Take wow. those long strands of protein and turn it into amino acids. Make, take those fats, turn it into simple fatty mm. acids. So easy to digest and nourish the body. Should we only sprout grain? Nope. Hmm. Because the grain has the fiber and other nutrients and fiber, and it's storable. But then God gave us this as well. Wow. It's exciting. Let's talk more about the, more, the, the world's most perfect food yep. in a second. All right, so All right. we are talking with Sue Becker about bread. And there are certain ways to make bread good and other ways that aren't so good. So we're going to learn more about that in just a second. Thank you so much for bringing Sue here. Very excited to speak, to speak with her. And I hope you are uh, excited to hear what she has to say and want to thank you for bringing her here because it's your support that did that. Uh, folks donated to this ministry in the past so you could see this. Donate again, please, if you would, so that others can see this into the future because we're going to need this info. We'll give you a couple minutes to do it. Thank you. Thank you for supporting this really important information on Shabbat Night Live. We are talking all about bread, the world's, or bread, pardon me, Sue, the, uh, the wheat, the world's most perfect food. Yes. Uh, maybe not bread the way that we see it in the store and that kind of thing. Absolutely. Now, now speaking <laughs> of seeing it in the store, you had alluded to a story about um, seeing the wheat germ available for sale at a market in Haiti. Yes. Now there's more to that story we didn't get to, yes, so I, yes, I want yes. you to finish that story. So, you know, we started our business, Bread Beckers, in 1992. Saw, I mean, thousands of people come. It's the bread, it's gotta be the bread, you know, all these health benefits. It's just been so encouraging and has kept us going all these 30 years. But in 2007, the Lord really laid it on my heart to start a ministry, and I started a ministry, Real Bread Outreach, because I saw people, elderly particularly, that you know, I couldn't say buy a meal, make your bread. Right. You know, they had limited finances or whatever, but they needed this. And so that was my heart. Um, we helped supply bread and grain mills and, you know, to people that could do it. Well, then in 2016, I was reading my Bible one day. My verse of the day was um, Ecclesiastes 11. Cast your bread on many waters and after many days it will come back to you. I was, my youngest daughter was about to get married. I was about to not be full-time mom, you know. And I remember I wrote in my journal, what waters? Ten days later, I got mm. asked to come to Haiti. Some of the pastors there had heard me teach. They had children coming to their school, starving, having not eaten, can't teach a child when their stomach is gnawing. They didn't have the funds to prepare them big meals, but learning that the grain, wheat, was a nearly perfect food. They were like, maybe we could make bread and give the kids the bread. So I made my first trip to Haiti in March of 2016. I've made 13 trips, I think, now to Haiti. Since 2016. 2016, oh my yes. Gosh. And now to Israel and, and Tanzania. But anyway, back to Haiti. So I trained this group of young men. They were in high school. 
still going to school. They lived in an orphanage with 150 kids. We got a grain mill down there and a commercial oven so they could make bread before they go to school. So wow. no one can tell me they don't have time. Everybody's got boys, 24 hours. They do. We all have the same time. <laughs> so these boys got up and they made the bread. But I had taught wow. them, you know, what we had talked about earlier, how they sift the bran and germ out, leaving only the white flour and the bran and germ is where all the vitamins are. And I had taught them about that I don't know if I told them that they sell it for cattle feed, but it it was a part of the discussion was sifting this brand and germ out. Well, so one day we were in the market, and the market in Haiti is is street, you know, yeah. and there was this big fifty pound sack, you know, and um, with the I think I I might have mentioned this earlier, you know, with the top rolled back and a little cup in the top and. They were selling it. And when I looked at it, I could tell it looked like wheat bran and wheat germ. The mm -hmm. the stuff sifted away from flour. So I asked the young man, I was like, so what is this? And he said, well, it's pig feet. First he said, you know, the stuff they take out of the flour. He couldn't remember yeah. bran and germ. And I said, well, what are they selling it for? And he said, pig feed. I couldn't believe it. I was like, it's still done today, <laughs> folks. This bran and germ is cattle feed around the world, even in places where they're starving. So about a year or so later, the boys had been making bread for the kids in the orphanage and the children at the school. And these boys were making at one time about five to 800 rolls a day, depending on oh how many kids were in the school. And, um, and then yeah, we recently opened a bakery in 2020. We got it open at another orphanage in school. But anyway, so um, one of the directors said, you know, the boys have been making this bread for the kids. We really want you to do this nutritional information. Tell us why we're doing this to the staff and the nannies and the, and the people that take care of the children so they know. So it was so funny. I had a translator and I'm teaching and I'm going through the history of white flour and I had a a little sifter there and I had sifted the bran and germ, you know, out so they could see this is what sifting is and this is the white flour and this is the bran and germ. And I, and I told him, I said, it's sold as cattle feed and it's still done today. I saw it in your market. All of a sudden they, I quit talking cause they started talking this whole room full of ladies and my translator Creole was flying everywhere. <laughs> and I finally looked at the translator and I said, what's going on? And he goes, um, their eyes were just open. They just realized they're saying they know now why the pigs are fat and the people are starving. So, mm, my goodness. And then when I got to the part of nitrogen trichloride to bleach the, the flour, their, their eyes got about this big. And I said, it's what you're bleaching your clothes with because they use this. And they were like, we never want to eat this bread again. Wow. You know, the white bread in the store. We want this bread, real bread. So, so now you gave them a bread. real reason to yes. do what they're doing. Yes. So, yeah. Wow. So we're feeding, uh, they feed about, um, about 1,200 total. The kids at that orphanage and the school, COVID has limited some of their supplies, so they, the kids in the school aren't getting it every day. But there for a while, when it was very limited on missionaries coming down and their supplies, mm -hmm. they had just put in a chicken operation, so they were getting an egg and bread. 
Oh, real good. bread wow. every day at this orphanage. So that was great. And then we got the bakery opened in 2020 right before the complete shutdown. Hmm. And they're feeding the schools and the children that live in the orphanage. So are you still connected with these or you just sort of get them started and let, let no, them go? I still go. We just, okay. my husband and I finally were able to go in November. You know, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of civil unrest and then the COVID restrictions and things like that. We were able to get back down there to where we opened the bakery. That's at another orphanage um, up the coast in on Eves, and um, yeah, and they're doing great. Wow. They're selling, and and each time I would go down there, that pastor he would actually bring in people for me to teach on the health benefits. One day it was a school bus load came, mm-hmm. and I taught the ladies and the men in the community, and they were like, "When is this bakery gonna open?" This was before the bakery, and now even with the expense, they they sell everything they make from wow. freshly ground flour. So, Wonderful. yeah, remember the, vi- the you know what the Lord told me. It's so funny. It didn't hit me until about a year ago, um, maybe a little longer. You know that first day when I met Brad in the driveway. And I said, I don't think I'm supposed to make bread for the world. I think I'm supposed to teach the world how to make bread for themselves. Mm. I had no idea. That's that whole teach a man to fish thing, right? Yes, but I had no idea, you know. And now Mm. um, God called us to uh, to Tanzania last year. And um, and with the current crisis um, with Ukraine and Russia, Africa is a place that imports wheat from those countries. Mm. America is not. There's no shortage of wheat here. Now the increased demand is making it harder to keep up with it. And we do need to pray for a good harvest this year, Mm. coming year. But um, I did, uh, one of the missionaries that started the ministry in Tanzania that invited me to come, I did send him a message when I found out that Africa could be hurting for wheat. I said, you might want to get some wheat while you're there. So he did, mm. um, was able to get. Now let's dispel, yeah. see, there's a little bit of a, a misnomer here, I think. The folks are anticipating a wheat shortage in North America. Yeah. But you know something else. Our supplier is telling us that he has no shortage of wheat. Um, now, like I said, the biggest dilemma is the demand, keeping ahead of the demand. So it's the transportation. Yes, the of- transportation. Um, so uh, America is, one of the large, it's the third largest exporter and of wheat in the world, um, Russia, Canada, and the U.S. We don't get our wheat from Russia or Ukraine. We are an exporter mostly. Mm-hmm. We grow plenty of wheat here, um, to my my understanding, um, and we have had my husband has had serious conversations with our supplier and he's like no I've got I've got plenty of weed and Brad's like even with the complete you know with the mm-hmm. increased demand and, and, and he's fertilizer like, no. issues and all fertilizer that issues you know those are all concerns yes I'm not saying oh there's no problem in inflation I mean prices mm-hmm. are going up we got to have a good heart you know they're just planting now mm-hmm. so they we've got to have a good season if we the Lord, you know, now let's talk I, about, I don't have, I don't, yeah. Let's talk about accessibility and all that type of yeah. thing. Because I told you before we went on here, I said, mm-hmm. oh, I just ordered, and I did. I ordered a 42-pound, yeah. six-gallon yeah. bucket of hard red spring wheat from you. Yeah. Uh, and then you said, well, you need to get in on the co-ops. Yes. Exp- what is the co-op? We just because over 100. I don't know what the number is now uh, of what we call co-ops. In the early days of starting our business, we homeschooled our children, Grinding grain and making bread was kind of a popular topic in the homeschool community at that time. We were invited to come do a homeschool show, so we did. 
that went so well, gave us a platform of speaking and encouraging families, get your family healthy. You know, we're, you're pouring into their life with schooling, get them eating right. You know, I'm gonna digress here a little bit, but this is such a good point to make here. Dr. Katz, the head of preventative medicine or the former head of preventive medicine at Yale University, I couldn't believe when I read this quote of his, he said, more children are harmed by poor diet than by drugs, alcohol, and tobacco combined. How many of us, I'm sure if you have children, train our children, we tell them the dangers of the world. We don't want you to do drugs, alcohol, tobacco, yet feeding them Cocoa Puffs and Fruity Pebbles and, you know, whatever. And so um, that was a passion of mine to mm. educate homeschooling families. And so we began to travel. So this is how this all came about. We began to travel all over the southeastern United States. The mill weighs 11 pounds in a shipping box. Not too difficult to ship that. Bucket of wheat weighs 50 pounds in a shipping box. That could cost as much shipping UPS as the wheat was worth, mm. you know, $35, $40. I don't know. You just got yeah, some. It was around yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so we came up, my husband, with the Joseph Visions, like we need to be able to supply people with grain. So we came up with what we call co-ops. As we traveled and spoke, and I've been, we've been all over the Southeast, People would come up, you know, how can I get this wheat? You know, how, when you're not here at the show, I buy what I need, you know. And so we would just started having people say, I will be a coordinator in Charlotte yeah. or whatever. So we have a co-op here in the Charlotte area. Um, my husband developed, my, our partner developed an ordering system and a program. He's the computer guy. He graduated from Georgia Tech. I hate to say that, but <laughs> that's okay. Us bulldogs. And anyway, my husband then developed um, um, area and an ordering program so or a system. Mm -hmm. So we have a South that's south of us and all of Florida that orders at a set time each year, mm. and we deliver there every four months. We have coordinators in different cities. We may drop it at their home. We may drop it at their church or whatever. The beauty of that is my husband got his CDL. He drives our truck, our semi-truck for us, and makes mm. the deliveries personally. So, you know, if, if you're the coordinator, say, or the coordinator here compiles all the orders from the people in this area, puts it together as one big order, and we actually now have an ordering system. So then we got thousand pounds coming here, you know, hmm. whatever, and just and he does it as a route. So there's a southern route, there's a northern route. I think Charlotte's on the northern route, um, and then there's kind of a central. So where Tennessee. can people find out about this? Is there a page on your website? There's a page okay. on our website. It's actually breadbeckerscoop.com, I believe. Okay. Yeah, all yeah, right. they can find it, or they can email support at breadbeckers.com. I mean, it's it's all there. All right. And then another great thing is um, to subscribe to our email newsletter, which is free. And we only send it out like once a month, maybe twice if there's something special going on. You will not be inundated by bread beckers with an spammed. email no. every day. It, <laughs> okay. it just won't happen. We're not that good. <laughs> Usually it's like, I got to get this email out. And, and then you, um, you go on the co-op website 
and you join a group, find the one that's the closest in your area. But we have them from Miami to Maryland. Oh, wow. I mean, I I can't remember now. We used to have about 150, I don't know how many, or 120, something like that. I'm going to get on that. That Yeah, because what it does, it reduces the shipping. Mm -hmm. uh, Now, we just had to increase the shipping, so I'm not exactly sure what it is now. Uh, It was like 14 cents, but now with the price of fuel, it's causing the, uh, and when I say 14 cents, like 14 cents a pound. So mm-hmm. that brings that shipping or 18 cents a pound, if that's what it's gone up to. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know that. So I'm, don't quote me on that, people. Cause, <laughs> it's always uh, going up. It's, I, it's that's not my business. <laughs> I teach all the cooking classes and the, do this. So and, speaking um, of teaching, let's go to yeah. that. You, know, you have a yeah. lot of Bible verses you like to refer to. Yeah. Uh, so the world's most perfect book for the world's most perfect food. So The scripture. That's is. what I tell people. I'm a scientist. I'm a science major. But my final authority is going to be the Word of God. Mm. What does God's Word say? And that's when this anti-grain, anti-wheat, anti-bread propaganda started. And I call it propaganda started coming out. It was very, very concerning to me. And I spent about a year and a half, two years um, researching, going, what is the truth here? I don't want to be teaching stuff that's not true. But I had this, you know, and um, grain is a nearly perfect food. I called our grain elevator and, and and the owner there and talked with him a long time. And he had just gotten back from Ethiopia. And he goes, I'm telling you, it's still harvested the way it used to be harvested. <laughs> the only difference here in America is we use machines. You know, he said it's, it's, and just some of the stuff that was out there is just not correct information. Um, wheat is not genetically modified. Just so you know that that is very important for people to know. It is not genetically modified. It it has been bred um, by traditional crossbreeding methods with other varieties of wheat. So this is hybridization. This yes. is completely mm-hmm. different than GMO. And exactly, okay. and it's done naturally. Um, spelt mm-hmm. was believed to is believed to be a cross from a natural pollination cross yep. between emmer and a, and a different grass. It's done deliberately, um, so that's just not an issue. Um, and they actually, there's a Dr. Carsada, I can't remember what you know, where he's from, and he, you know, there's banks of, of um, stored seeds, you know, that they go back to mm-hmm. look genetically. There is, and he found no real difference in the gluten content, you know, in the 100-year-old wheat. Yeah, we're going to get today. into that on our next we're episode, get, yes, I think. But, um, but, you know, when I started learning this, and when God showed me all this, and my eyes were open to... I call it the deception of enrichment. And I started learning what was happening. It's the flour. It's not the grains. It's what's done to the flour. They're exposed mm-hmm. to all of these chemicals, even what's called whole grain flour. You know, because the commercial flour mills now, that's all that's used, whether it's to make white flour or whole grain. So the mm-hmm. bran and germ is separated, and some government standard makes them put some of the bran and germ back in. Is now- the oil ever put back in? All I can tell you is that nasty whole wheat flour I was buying in the store, it does not Mm. bake like my freshly milled. So I just, you know, a scripture God gave me early on was, one was, um, besides be careful when you sit down to the king's table, but Proverbs, um, I believe it's 14, 12, says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Mm. This seemed right at the time so that this flour wouldn't spoil. Mm. But look where it led us. The health of our nation has drastically declined. Then I was reading along one day, Isaiah 55, verse 2. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? 
and your earnings for what does not satisfy. God says, hearken diligently to me and eat what is good. We need to ask the Lord what we're supposed to be eating. And I can't tell you how many times people will come to me and they'll change the bread and and they'll say, I was praying for an answer. And God sent me to your workshop or to your website or what and and what they were praying for it was the answer bread. <laughs> so when I saw that I was like wow this is amazing the health of this nation began to drastically decline since 1900 when the steel rolling mills came on the scene. And I was reading along. I read through the Bible every year. So you know we get to Genesis is easy, Exodus pretty easy. Leviticus, okay, we're going to get through this. And, and I'm, I prayed this year. I was like, Lord, I really want to see some cool things. And he showed me. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy again. You're kind of like, okay. So I'm reading along in Deuteronomy, and I hit chapter 24, and I saw a bread scripture that I had never seen before. And you might not, you might not catch it if you just read it. But, you know, in those days, there was a law. God had so many laws of just how to treat people, how to do mm-hmm. business with people. And it was all not to get us in bondage. It so was so that the whole world would know right. that he was the one true God, If you know, because we're living the best glorious life. But anyway, so I'm reading along. And in those days, there was a law for borrowing and lending. So if I borrow something from you, I leave you something of mine. It's like a collateral system. There, here's my iPad. This Mm -hmm. is a value. I promise I'm going to pay you back. And you would hold it for me until I paid you back. God had a law of what you couldn't hold as a pledge. Deuteronomy 24 verse 6 says, Do not take a man's upper millstone as a pledge, for you would be taking his life. That is powerful to me. When I read that, it blew me away because what we did in 1900, we let someone take our mill out of our homes. It took cooking out of our homes. It took bread making Mm. out of our homes. And it has been taking our life ever since. And now, so 100 years, we've been losing our health. And now the anti-grain, anti-wheat propaganda, we won't be storing grain because everybody, bread is bad, bread is bad. Now we're going to not be prepared. Mm. And not to mention that, if bread is bad, Jesus compared himself to bread. Is Jesus bad? Where does that leave us? Where All right. does that leave us? Let's pick up on the next episode. Let's yes. come back next week. Right. We are nowhere near done. Nope. Thank you, Sue. <laughs> All right. the surface. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Hey, I've been duped by this too, the anti-grain movement. I teach health for a living. I want to learn something new here from Sue. I hope you're learning something new. Come back next week. We're going to learn more. Until then, Shavuot Tov. Have a good week.